1: a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art.
2: Hey guys, uh, I just wanted to let you all know that we're starting this episode off a little bit different because... This episode is going to be discussing topics of personal trauma and I wanted to extend a general trigger warning for anyone who might be sensitive to themes of non-consent or themes of power structures or themes of religious trauma or anything of that nature. And with that being said, I will give it over to Gigi to start our show as regular. Hello
1: and welcome. I am Ladyboy Gigi, and you're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. Tonight we're going to be talking about trauma and psychosexual healing through BDSM. Oftentimes, we go through experiences that can leave us troubled, and I believe that we often carry some of that in our bodies, some of the trauma and the effects of past trauma. There are some methods to relieve some of that trauma. First and foremost, if you have unresolved issues, seek out some counseling. Counseling can go a long ways to help resolve some of those issues. I know that for me personally, I've experienced a lot of healing secondary to counseling through BDSM role play. And that can be a very powerful dynamic and help us really process at a body level some of the traumas we've experienced that we've held in our bodies for maybe years and years. And so through BDSM role play, we can release some of the blockages from that trauma that occur in our bodies. And I'm talking more at an energetic level. I believe we have chakras and that we are energy beings. And sometimes trauma can block our flow of energy.
2: So I'm going to turn it to
1: Paul to get us started on this
2: topic. So I came up with this topic because it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. When I first started training with Gigi, I had a lot of unresolved trauma that I I still deal with deeply. and, And it's still a powerful force in my life. But before I started working with Gigi, I I didn't really have a a way to funnel that energy that was healthy, and it wound up hurting me in a lot of different ways. And a lot of ways that I was aware of, and then at a deeper level, at ways that I I wasn't even conscious of and it was really really difficult for me to to deal with it and it was kind of one of the first major thresholds that I came to with Gigi and luckily because Gigi is very empathetic and understanding and took the time to understand what some of those issues were and how they were affecting me, he was able to design different scenes and different aspects of our training to directly engage with those things that I was too frightened to engage with head-on on my own. And I will say that in order for this kind of BDSM to work, it is very important to find the right kind of DOM that can guide you through a healing experience that can deeply understand and empathize with where those blockages are and things that will draw them out and also a dom that is willing to continue communicating all the way through an event So there's three different levels of communication when it comes to using BDSM to actively work on trauma that I have found working with Gigi. There's the level of communication that happens in the beginning, that happens before any scenes go on, that helps your DOM understand what the trauma is and how it is affecting you. And then there is the kind of communication that happens during a scene, throughout a scene, making sure that you're okay to continue, that that you aren't overwhelmed and subvocal. And making sure that you're okay as you go through the scene. And then there is the communication that happens after the scene. For me, I've found oftentimes it's better to have this kind of communication the next day or maybe even two days later, depending on how powerful the the scene is for you, where your DOM is interested in understanding where that scene brought you and if there are any tweaks that need to happen if you do a scene in the future around those same issues and things like that. So like all good BDSM, the the key is communication and it's very, very important. So that's... Just the basic beginnings. I
1: think I'd like to say right up front, it's good to have not only physical safety, safe words, and signals, but also a different set for psychological safety, safe words, and signals. That can go a long ways to really preventing a scene from going south, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to throw that in because part of our negotiations included talking about how to signal each other. And I think that's a very key, important component when you're getting into emotional edge play.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that is kind of where a lot of this is leading to, is this idea of, emotional edge play. So many people when they think of BDSM, they think of the physical aspects. They think of widths and and paddles and and floggers and all the accoutrement and the the physical side and all of those things are yummy and delicious and I love all of it. And that's what originally got me into BDSM. It was only when I started training with Gigi that I understood the power of BDSM beyond the physical. And that's kind of the realm that we're going into when we're talking about using it as a tool to to confront trauma. And one of the main things that Gigi has taught me through our training is to go and find the inner child and communicate with my inner child. And I think that I have a a different relationship with my inner child than Gigi has with his inner child. And that's okay. Uh, I think that Gigi's relationship with his inner child is the playful, joyful child that was before he got hurt by the world. And that's the aspect of interacting with his inner child that really communicates to him and sings to him. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. For me...
1: I think a lot of it is that I went through this healing process in my youth with a dom, and so you didn't see that part of me. And I think the other side of it is that when we were doing our scenes, I was in the role of a dom, and there's parts of the inner child that are still healing in me. They always will be. There's always things that uh went experience that were very difficult and, and especially around relig- Christianity and religion where I was abused in uh, many ways at a more emotional level by the church <laughs> or by especially the far speaking in tongues type Christians that were very, uh, how can I put it? Strict and into the whole holy roller thing, and yeah, well, it was a lot of laying on hands, and that somehow I was broken and needed fixing, and that. And I knew I wasn't broken, but you know, just being placed into that role, so. Part of the happy go lucky inner child that I display nowadays is something I've worked a long time to get to. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. It wasn't something that happened overnight. There's a time in my life that was very dark. <laughs> and I went through a long process of healing through role play mm-hmm. and through counseling to some degree, but, well, actually, I went to counseling for a while and resolved a lot of the issues, but where it really impacted me the most was through BDSM role play, being able to re-empower that inner child, and empowerment is what, a big key to BDSM is power exchange, and it's almost paradoxical. When I gave up power, I became empowered. And it was quite a major transition in my life.
2: (laughs) I'm really glad our our listeners got to hear that exchange because I know that you've told me that in ways, but uh, I think that that really kind of crystallizes some things for me because I know that I still do a lot of work interacting with my inner child because I, a lot of my traumas started in my teenage years and that's the inner child that I can connect to, but that inner child is still very hurt and very scared and, and sad and also angry. But I think that the work that I've done in connecting with that inner child has helped me a lot because every past self that you have still resides within you no matter how distant it is from where you are now. A lot of times I think that our culture trains us to ignore those past selves that are still inside of us. And I think when you're confronting trauma, you have to face those parts that still reside inside of you that is the child that was hurt by that trauma that still lives inside of you. Kind of facing it face first and and directly, and not, like, one of the, the important things I had to learn is to realize that that part that was living inside of me was still this 14, 15-year-old child. And I had to speak to that part of me as I would a 15-year-old child. Because it's inside of me, a lot of times the knee-jerk reaction is to be like, Oh, you're hurting me. You're poisoning me. How how dare you bring up all of these old things Like, and be angry at it because it feels like this anchor. And the more you treat the inner child that way... A way that you would not treat anyone else other than yourself. If some 15-year-old kid came up to me describing issues that were similar to the ones that I was going through when I was 15, I would, of course, shower that child with love and caring and try to give it good advice and try to be something that that child could could follow to do better in its life but when it's internal it's easy to be to it's easier specifically for me to beat myself up than it would be for me to attack any other person and i realized that i was being very uncaring to this part of me that still lived inside of me. And it was only after starting to work with you and going through some of the trauma work that we went through together for me to realize that that was a child and I needed to treat it like I would any other child. I needed to feed it. I needed to nurture it. I needed to be a good influence for that Heart that lived inside of me that had so much pain and so much fear and so much hurt and, and was wrecking havoc inside of me because it didn't know what else to do with these feelings.
1: You touch on something that's really important, and a lot of doms don't go into it nearly deep enough. And that's the aftercare after a scene. But when you get into psychosexual and emotional edge play, the after scene nurturing and care is critically important. And it's also the time where a lot of the healing and empowerment comes. And I think you're touching around that, but... I just wanted to jump in and say I think that was part of the process that really—and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was a part of the process that helped empower that inner child.
2: I definitely think that that was a big part of it, especially in the beginning. I do think that it took me a while to really get very in tune with that part of myself and it was a hard fought battle the thing about the more extreme versions of bdsm you know i'm a pretty solid masochist like how i love getting needles in my dick i love tinge units and the the, when you do the violent wand on me i always want it turned up full blast and i I can do such extreme things to my body, and but when it comes to these scenes that touched on my trauma, from an outside perspective, those scenes may not have seemed very intense compared to some of the ones that we've done in the past. But on the inside... Those scenes have always been the ones that really stuck with me. That really, and some of the time they they were very, very, very difficult. I, I know I've gotten angry at you. I've yelled at you after. I, 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 and like I've gotten better. I've I've gotten better at catching myself and not lashing out. But I know that for me first going through these really intense scenes, uh, sometimes I lashed out and, uh, this is another reason that you really need, if you're going to engage in emotional edge play, specifically if you're trying to face internal traumas, you need to find a Dom that is caring and knowledgeable And understanding, and with with Gigi, like you know, some of the times I've lashed out, a, a lesser dom probably would have dropped me on the spot or had made it this punishment that I needed to feel guilty about, that would have not helped the process of me growing and. Most of those times I had those lash out moments, I remember, and correct me if you remember this differently, but I I remember having those lash out moments with you, and then it might have been a day later, it may have been a week or a month later, some of the worst cases a few months later that I... Talk to you after I had gained a lot of gained a lot of insight and gone back over those times that I lashed out at you where you didn't deserve it, and I, I, that's one of the things that I I love about the way that you you train and the way that you are as a dom that. You recognized that as my baggage. You didn't take it personally. You didn't take it on because you knew that it was my thing and it wasn't really about you.
1: And I think part of it is just knowing where it's coming from. Just for dominants out there that are interested in going into emotional edge play... You need to know up front that it's going to be difficult on you, and you need a support network. I definitely have mine. I have a mentor that I call weekly and do a check-in and kind of consult with. And if issues come up for me, I have someone to go to to work through it. So this is not child's play, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) Kind of a play on words here, but we're playing with the inner child. But, And I would like to bring up another concept that's very important with emotional edge play, and that is that part of the role of the dom is to challenge the sub to face these things when they are ready, not when you want them to. And I've always done that with Paul. I've always said, you know, let's... Put this scene off if we need to. Take some time. When you're ready, we'll face these challenges together. And I think that goes a long ways into working through the rough spots.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, that—that that is one of the things that's really powerful for me with my training with Gigi. In fact, there was a period where I was no longer... Able to to serve Gigi, and I knew that, and I I told that to Gigi, and he gave me space for for several months, and I I had actually just moved in when I had this big realization, and then part of the thing that m- helped me to come back to my training was. Realizing that my living here wasn't predicated on my working with Gigi and that Gigi, I, actually, it it was really interesting because I, I had a lot of, I had just lost a relationship that I had been in and I had gotten kicked out of A house that I thought I was going to live in forever. And I had a lot of things that just came on me all at the same time. And Gigi was patient with me. And Gigi was nurturing to me. And Gigi turned to me one night. And he said, I just want you to know that I feel content and if... This is the end of our training. I, I want to do a ceremony of releasing you. And it was when Gigi told me that that I really realized that I wasn't done with my training. And I I said, "No, I I actually think that I want to go back into training with you." And then when I went back into training, I was able to really focus on the work that we were doing and everything started to pick up and come together. And I was able to be so much better of a sub than I had been. And things really started fitting into place really well. And I, I don't think that I would have been able to have that experience with Gigi if I had not been able to know that I could step away and like, felt that that was an okay decision, that he wasn't going to secretly be angry with me about forever. Um, And I think that was one of the most powerful experiences I I had with you as your sub, like it really helped so much to know because when I rededicated myself, it was because it was my choice. It was a decision I was actively making. It it wasn't something that I felt pressured into. And when I go uh, deeper into some of the stories of what uh, had led to this trauma, it will make a lot of sense why being released made it okay for me to make the decision to dedicate myself to this work.
1: Ah, yes. There are so many paradoxes in BDSM. (laughs) And I think part of it. it is a process. It's not a something you just do a couple of scenes with. It's a long-term process. But it can be so powerful in healing, and there are so many benefits that one can get out of it. But we'll kind of wrap up the show with some of the benefits. But some of the trauma can be very powerful. I remember... And I was around 14 when I was experiencing some of the really bad religious stuff. No, I was 13. No, 15. Sorry. Sometimes I lose track of time, ages. (laughs) But that was a very, from about 15 to 16, I was in a very dark place. And I was put through a lot of weird religious stuff that wasn't very loving or nurturing or caring it was more blaming (laughs) and and so you know like you it did occur to me at a very young age and I'd gone through other experiences being ADHD and dyslexic with in a time when that wasn't understood and it wasn't intentional abuse but The school system abused me in many ways. They didn't understand what was going on in my head or why I was the way I was. And so there were difficult times, even in young childhood. So I had a pretty rough patch going through, and by the time I got out of high school, I was a wreck. (laughs) My first few years of trying to find jobs, being so dyslexic and ADHD that I couldn't, it took me forever to even find a job. And I had no skills at the time. And I was pretty much on my own. And and so I went through a pretty rough time even in young adulthood before I found someone that could kind of help me turn it around. But there are some powerful ways to do that, which we'll get into later in the show. (laughs) We are up to station break already. (laughs) And I'd like to remind people that I do have the website, com, and I also have my new sex coaching website ggwilbert.com and both of these are excellent resources to get find training programs and information about BDSM and about sexuality. So check them out. Anything you want to add to Station Break?
2: Just to remind our listeners, the, the website for Gigi's sex coaching site is Gigi with two Gs. Wilbur W I L B U R dot com, and also as our longtime listeners will know, we also do a a monthly virtual sex temple, which happens the last Sunday of every month, I believe, from one to four or five. Yeah. 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. U.S. Central Time.
1: This month we'll be doing it on the 4th, I mean, one weekend early because the last weekend I'm not available.
2: And we have a website for that as well. What, what is that website again? Ladyboytemple.com.
1: That's L-A-D-Y-B-O-Y-T-E-M-P-L-E dot
2: com. Mm -hmm. I hope that some of our listeners will come and join us for that and have uh, the fun that
0: we have every month. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Welcome to My Friends Erotic Stories podcast, where we listen to the best erotica from our friends online. Relax as you spice up your day-to-day lives. With a little bit of naughtiness, search for My Friends Erotic Stories on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more also visit us on our slash erotic podcast and help us make our podcast better
2: so anyway, back to our topic. So I think that it would be helpful before I get into some of the ways that I overcome came these traumas to share with our listeners some of the traumas that I'm still working through that have really kind of shaped me in a lot of big ways. And uh before I start that, I I I'd like to say that um one of the reasons I wanted to do this topic is because you know, I'm I'm f- friends with a lot of people who have had really traumatic lives. Uh it turns out most of the people that get interested in BDSM and most of the people who wind up being—say
1: most, but many.
2: Well, I mean, so there's bigger traumas and smaller traumas, but almost everyone has. Well, okay, you may disagree, uh, but at least a large portion of my friends have traumas that they are dealing with. I think that a lot of the times people who wind up neurodiverse and kind of interesting and kind of weird do have something in their past that really kind of shaped them in really deeply fundamental ways, and there's a lot of hurt in the world. You never know what any person is dealing with and struggling with. So anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that there are a multitude of things that cause people trauma. So I had a pretty happy childhood until my parents got divorced except that they were fighting a lot and we heard them fighting a lot and that was stressful but when they finally did get divorced my brother introduced me to a guy that was going to play a major role for many of the formative years of my teenagehood from the time I was about 13 until I was eighteen, he was my best friend. He was an individual that really really challenged my worldview At the time I was a very spiritual person and I loved everyone and I was all about pure love and caring for all of humanity and uh, and I was very, very spiritual, and I I felt so much very, very deeply. And he was kind of the polar opposite to that. He was angry and hateful, and he really wounded me in a lot of ways. And I stayed best friends with him because I wanted to feel like my strength of goodness and beauty and, and love could overcome his anger and hatred and just uh, ire at the world. Um, but I didn't realize that the more time went by, the more I invited him inside of me and into my heart and he had discussions with me about really dark terrible things and terrible things that he had done and terrible things that got him excited and he talked a lot about taking advantage of people in a lot of different ways and um And it it really wounded me to a deep, deep level. And then after I stopped being friends with him, I had a number of older men in my life that took advantage of me and molested me and touched me in ways that I didn't know how to say no to. I, I didn't realize I could say no because I was really young and they were older and had some kind of power over me or at least I misjudged the amount of power they did have over me. After that I wound up hitchhiking for a number of years and I had some a few bad experiences while I was hitchhiking where people took advantage of me and molested me and 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 I uh, had one one guy that forced me to give him a hand job and perform oral on his balls while I gave him a hand job I give you that background to say that one of the big things that was hard for me to really make peace with myself about. And I had I had started to make this peace before I started working with Gigi, but I really had not done very much work on it until I start, started working with Gigi. I am bisexual, and I am attracted to men. But because I had had all of these really negative experiences with men that made me feel really weird and really used and taken advantage of and they were really creepy, it held me back from me being able to express my sexuality with with men. Unfortunately, most of them were much, much older, and so it gave me specifically a harder time dealing with older men. And that was difficult when I started training under Gigi, because Gigi is a fair amount older, and in ways, reminded me of a lot of these men, and it really was hard for me to overcome that bias and that aversion that I had had from these men who had taken advantage of me. Gigi's never taken advantage of me. Like, Gigi has gone out of his way to never take advantage of me. Gigi has even said no when he didn't think something was right, even though he knows that he would enjoy it because he he doesn't want to be one of those men in my life. But it was a very difficult thing for me to overcome when I started my training with Gigi. I, I hope this isn't... No, that's fine. Okay. And Gigi... You know, when we first started talking, when we first started working together, like, I had talked to Gigi about a lot of these things and other things that were inside of me that felt really uncomfortable. So it was difficult for me to overcome these things. And one of the things that I love about your training, Gigi, is that you took your time with me. You played it slow in the beginning. You knew that I was more of a pain slut than anything else, and we did mostly pain scenes, and you took me to levels that were very different in in that arena, and we would discuss and we would talk after these scenes before we ever went into emotional edge play. And then over time, it never came out of the blue when some of these emotional edge play elements would come in. I, I had a long warning for we started, and it came in very, very slow and very, very subtle, uh, sometimes in ways I didn't even notice. And uh, I will have to say, um, and I hope this isn't sharing too much, Gigi. At the same time, Gigi was learning how to work with me and how to interact with me. And one of the, the things that we had to have communication about in the beginning is, in the beginning, Gigi wanted to get more into the sexual stuff, on my side with my being turned on and my having an erection and my like wanting things and that was not a place I could go in the beginning and it was through communication that eventually he understood that he needed to take a step back from that but before he had realized that that also did send a a tinge of weirdness through me and it's part of like having to learn between a dom and a sub like working out where where the levels are and where everything is okay but eventually it took me being able to communicate well enough with Gigi like Gigi was very communicative from the beginning It was me that had to find my voice and be able to let Gigi know when I was uncomfortable because at first I wasn't always good at letting Gigi know that I was feeling uncomfortable at the time. But after we overcame that and we went into some of the emotional edge play and and, um, it started with deep discussions about the things that were holding me back and the things that were hurting me. One of the things that Gigi says all the time is there's a power in naming. Uh, Give it a name. Talk about it. Be able to point to the problem. And so through these discussions, he was able to really understand where the the deep blockages were. And then after he had a pretty full idea of what the issues were and where the blockages were, only then did we go into some of the emotional edge play. And some of the things that we did in the beginning so, like, I was already into doing more of the physical BDSM stuff with Gigi, and we would have a discussion about uh, some of my problems. Not a, not a big one, not, like, deep to where it got me super emotional, but to where it brought those things up. But he would talk to me about some of those things, and then we would do a scene while I was feeling some of those weird feelings and then when the pleasurable feelings from the endorphins and when you have a good like impact like pain-based BDSM scene you get like the endorphins that glide through you and then you get a boost of dopamine and then you get a boost of serotonin and then after that you get a boost of oxytocin after a while and just having had some of those thoughts fresh in my mind going through scenes that I was very familiar with going through with Gigi started working some of those things out and then we worked on naming some of those pains during the scenes. And that held its own power because I was an active part of working through the things. And we we did that for a long while until there was a specific scene. Gigi had known that the thing that I wanted more than anything that he had never given me was needle play. I was so horny for needle play. I had never had, I had never experienced it, but I knew it was something that really spoke to me deep inside. And then we went into the scene, and this was a, a thing he we talked about before the scene. He told me how it was going to unfold. And not not every scene is discussed in that full, uh, like, detail when you're doing BDSM. But when you do these more intense ritualistic scenes, sometimes it is very helpful. And for this specific one, it was necessary. But we did the scene where uh, he was going to put needles through the head of my cock and then... We were going to do some tens units play and he told me that for every needle he put inside of me, he wanted me to name the name of a person who had contributed to my trauma, who had hurt me, who had attributed to this thing that was dragging me down. And so we go into the scene and with each needle, I name a different name. And there was another name. And I think that Gigi was a little surprised that I was willing to take so many needles at at the time. Because he even said, like, we're running out of needles. Make these two count. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of that, I had taken nine needles to the head of my cock. And... Having named the names of the people that had hurt me and known that as part of the process of that we were doing, part of the ritual that we were doing, that with each needle, as it went in, at least what I was picturing it, as, as the needle went in, I'd feel the pain of the way that that person hurt me. And as it came out, there was a relief there and it was a letting go of that person that was weighing on my heart. And I did that with each of these needles and I named the name and I felt the pain and then I felt the relief. And then I laid there for a long time for probably about 20 minutes, just feeling the endorphins, and the dopamine, and the serotonin, and I felt safe, and I felt comforted, and Gigi stroked my hair and told me I was a good boy and told me I had taken it so well, and, that, and everything felt better. And it didn't immediately heal all of those scars, but it went such a long way to beginning the path of healing, all of those things.
1: And that was such a powerful ritual, and I'm glad you brought up the ritual. And I know this still touches you very deeply. And you have come such a long ways in overcoming a lot of this. And the inner child has been empowered and I think one of the things that happened during that ritual was that you were able to release a lot of that and and empower the inner child with each release, and it was a powerful ritual. Mm-hmm. And I know we're getting very deep in this tonight, and it's a good thing because I know a lot of people out there have a lot of pain they're carrying around. And that's why we decided to do this show, is that there are ways to work through the pain and and overcome it and empower the inner child. I've gone through this process myself, and it's, it will bring tears. If I were to go into some of the details on my experience, I'd be crying too. <laughs> and crying is good because it helps us release and wash away the the things the atrocities that occurred <laughs> and and it can be so healing and empowering and and i know that over time it gets so much better because all of a sudden the inner child can no longer be a victim it's become empowered and i think that's one of the things i realized through my process was that I can never be the victim again. I've stood up and said, no, to being placed in that role by others. And it was only through this process that I was able to do that because I empowered the inner
2: child. Ooh, ooh. Uh, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> ooh, that got me a little emotional. But um, I also want to say because it's something that I kind of alluded to. I think that it's really, really powerful that I found you as my mentor. Because I think that the journey that I've taken, part of what makes it really, really powerful to me is... and. I know that Gigi understands this and I want to explain to our listeners that I say this in the best way uh, and I don't mean this with any kind of mean spirit at all, but I think that part of what makes you a very powerful dom with me is that because Of your age, you do naturally touch on those areas that have made me feel uncomfortable in the past. Because I have this bad experience with older men, and I had this bias that I know that you're not a man. And I'm not either. But outward looks, you can be read as an old man fairly easily. And unless you're a normie, and then they just think you're a woman. <laughs> and honestly, the people who molested me a lot also had a very effeminate side. Because you brush against my trauma... I think it makes you very powerful as a a source of healing from that trauma. You, your personality, has nothing to do with any of my abusers other than affectation and just physical looks. But because those two things kind of triggered these uncomfortable things inside of me it forces me to face those things it forces me to in a way overcome but it, it also one of the other things i wanted to get into was um kind of embracing it as well because Another one of the very powerful experiences I had with you, and I've shared this once on the show before, but I'll share it again, is that I remember as, as part of our training, one of the, the things that happens is sometimes when I don't meet up to Gigi's expectations, when I do something wrong, when I forget something, I earn a punishment, and for a very long time, those punishments were all physical acts. They were all pain-based, and afterwards you might have me thank you by servicing you, sucking your dick, things like that, but that was always like after the scene happened. And I remembered the first time that you incorporated sexuality into a punishment and there was a nerve that that touched in me because if i was being punished by forced by being forced to be a sex object and, and like having sexuality in a punishment that made me feel really weird inside and I also know that I could have used my safe words. And I, I thought about using my safe words. But I sat with that uncomfortable feeling for a little while. And then I realized it really turned me on. That, like, the part of me that felt, like, forced and felt grossed and felt like all of these things that had been part of my trauma in the past, like it came up and then all of a sudden it it made me feel really hot and it really excited me and I was really into it. And I decided to go with it and follow it and I let it happen and... I let it continue, and I let that feeling grow until uh, the punishment was over. And then we uh, had some time after the punishment where we t- were talking, and I, I told you about that, and you told me that you were really proud of me, that you thought I had made a breakthrough, that you thought I had done something really powerful, So for a long time, I should tell this to our listeners, for a long time, I was afraid of expressing this feeling of disgust that came up with a lot of these things that were wrapped around my trauma because I never wanted to hurt Gigi's feelings and because I didn't I like I knew that Gigi wasn't abusing me. I knew that Gigi wasn't taking advantage of me. I knew that I had a voice. I knew that I could say no at any given time. I you know, I knew all of these things and so I just didn't want to make Gigi feel bad. And so for of for the first year at least, maybe the first year and a half, I didn't really Express these feelings with Gigi, which, if I can give any advice to subs listening, uh, if you have the right kind of good-hearted Dom, don't do that. Don't be afraid to express things because you think that your Dom will be upset. If it is a dom that is worth their salt, they will understand and they will empathize with you and they will care for you. If they do get angry, you probably should find a different dom. This was not a wisdom I had at the time.
1: I think one thing I'd like to share with this part of this story is that I think an amazing thing occurred that was very healing and that was that your inner child was challenged and knew the other side of people older than you and that not all older men are bad and I think it helped you remove the kind of demonizing feelings of older men. Does that kind of make sense? And I think it kind of healed at a deeper level, at a very primal level, that kind of control that older men once had over you kind of evaporated through that process. Tell me what you... What you feel around that?
2: So the conclusion I've kind of come to with all of this, honestly, is um, like you're correct and that is true, but one of the things that uh, helped me really understand where that wound came from, where... The bad intentions of those men came from what I really under what I really came to understand that I didn't understand while it was happening or at the time is that I realized eventually after working with you long enough and being able to look at these men not just as you know the demons that had taken my youth away from me and you know this part of my sexuality that you know I might be really interested in away from me uh, which I thought they had completely robbed it away from me for years and at this point I am as pansexual as a 150 year old cast iron pan like I know that I am attracted to Everything and anything out there. But what I didn't realize about these men when I only looked at them as the demons from my past instead of looking on them with the eyes of love and understanding. Not that they weren't bad people. All of them were. I'm not sticking up for any of them. But I think that what all of them had in common, which is what made them reach out to taking advantage of a young, naive kid like me instead of pursuing uh, healthy relationships, is that they were all very repressed individuals that probably would not have been confident approaching people their own age or someone who they didn't feel like they could have power over for a healthy relationship. I think that they all had a certain amount of gay repression that they didn't want to face but they had these desires and urges and because of their own pain and because of their own trauma they wound up hurting me and and it doesn't make what they did okay and it doesn't make what they did understandable but it helps me understand them and I think
1: part of the process is understanding that even though they were perpetrators, they were also victims in a certain sense. They were victims of living in a sex-negative culture that demonizes all sexual acts except the missionary married man and woman. (laughs) And I think that Part of the what drove the process, I'm not saying this to excuse bad behavior, but to look at where is this coming from, it comes from a bigger picture than sometimes just the individuals involved. And I think that's part of what I like to address in this show is that let's change the bigger picture as well as taking what people do is wrong, but also let's fix it so that we have a better world where this doesn't keep, the cycle doesn't keep repeating.
2: I'd like to take the thing that Gigi said as an opportunity to ask, you know, maybe there's a listener out there that thinks maybe they have overstepped some bounds, that, maybe they have hurt people in the way that I am describing being hurt. I'm not excusing the thing that you did, but that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from some of the things that we're talking about. If you feel like you have done something wrong, that you have hurt someone, I know that Having that feeling can be its own strangling thing that you feel like you can't get away from. That you feel so terrible about what your perceived slights against another person are. But feeling guilt about that thing can't help anyone. And the more you feel sorry for yourself, the more likely you are to maybe do that again. And then you'll probably feel terrible about that thing in the future. So if you realize that you might be a person that has hurt someone, I would suggest instead of beating yourself up over it and just feeling terrible and god-awful and uh, like you're an inexcusable person, instead of doing that, maybe, maybe not with a dom, definitely go get some counseling about it. That's the first thing that you should do. Find someone that you can talk to about it, but also find a way to be better in the world. If you have been an abuser, speak out against abuse. Tell people your story. Help other people not follow the same path that has led you to hurt other people. Find a way to give back to the world. Be a force of good in the universe. And it will never erase the bad thing that you did and you'll never be able to erase the bad thing that you did. But that is not the totality of who you are as a person. And as long as you still have air in your lungs, as long as you're still on this side of the dirt, you can go forth and be a good influence on the world. You can do better. You can be better. You can be good.
1: And I would like to say we all are human, and we all make mistakes. And we do need to learn to forgive ourselves and to improve ourselves. And, you know, I've talked about this with a lot of people, and there is a difference between saying I'm sorry and making amends. When you say you're sorry, you're just kind of giving an excuse for bad behavior. When you make amends, you change your behaviors and you take actions to become better and do better. And so I just kind of wanted to say that but through the process of making amends, part of making amends is also forgiving oneself in the society we live in for creating such a melting pot of sex negativity. <laughs> I'd like to kind of shift the focus at this point and look at some of the benefits that come as a result of going through some of these intense emotional edge play scenes, what do you feel you've gotten from it, Paul?
2: I feel a lot more confident in myself. I know that I have agency now. Part of the work that we do is that i I have safe words and that we have discussions afterwards, and i can I can shape my training. As much as you do, you are always the guide. You are always the one who is manning the, the rudder. You're the one that's manning the rudder and steering us. But you always take into account how I feel, where I want to go, what I want to see, and what I want to tackle. Self-actualization has been huge for me because uh, I've always had a problem finding my voice. I've always had a problem making waves. Uh, you know, I, I don't want anyone to worry about me too much. Uh, like, oh I, oh, I can be comfortable, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. You've learned how to say no. I, I have, Also, a a big thing is with my trauma, I have come so, so far. Like, I am able to have a direct communication with that child inside of me. And that child inside of me is still full of love and caring and beauty, but is also scared and is also angry and is... It has a lot of very strong feelings, but I have a direct connection with it. Um, And before it felt like without my knowledge, that inner child would lash out and steer me in these ways that uh, that uh, were damaging and and uh, and unhelpful and and then I would regain control and then I'd try to hold it down but after I've become friends with that inner child it never gets to the point where that inner child feels like it needs to lash out like sometimes it needs to talk to me real loud sometimes it's angry at me sometimes it feels a way that is completely counter to the way that I feel but i have a chance to sit there with that child and have a discussion and talk about like why i feel differently than they do about the thing that we are experiencing and it feels kind of weird to do at first but i i literally do have a back and forth conversation between the conscious me and the child part of me, when I have these discussions with my inner child, we have dialogues sometimes they last for hours um when they need to, and that is okay.
1: I think one of the things I've seen you grow in leaps and bounds on is. Instead of reacting and immediately going into fight or flight mode, you b- become much more proactive. You've taken a few moments, taken a breath, and looked at the whole picture a little deeper and gained new insights and, into how can I act differently and changing old patterns and And that is such a healing process. It's such an empowering process. That's some of the growth I've seen in you. (laughs) Uh,
2: One of the things that I think uh, has been monumental in my life is that part of that proactive direction that I've taken is that, and a lot of times, this is with uh, you, Gigi, Mm -hmm. uh, that I go to my guides. If there is something that I have a lot of feelings around, Gigi is my guide for many things, but I have other guides in my life that have different specialities, different things that they're good at. But I go to the guide that I think can help me the best, and before I start to have a major problem with something, I go to one of my guides, and I'm like, "Hey, so these are some of the things I'm dealing with right now, and I feel like I need some guidance. I I feel like I need some help, and in and, and I ask them for help, and that's not a thing I've always been good at. I, I well. I I will say this. I've always been good at that after I've been having the problem for a while. After shit has hit the fan, then that's when I used to go to my guides. But I have gotten a lot better at catching myself before the shit hits the fan. And going to someone that I trust and saying like, hey, I'm feeling this way. And, you know, these are the situations around it that make it uncomfortable. What do you suggest? Like, uh, you know, what insight do you have for me? And I think that's been a big part of my journey and growth.
1: Mm-hmm. And this has been such a awesome, deep show tonight. <laughs> and I love going, I mean, we're going over time, but that's okay. Because this is important. This isn't something you hear about out there very often, how to work with these things. And I think it's important that we learn some of these techniques and discuss it and have time to say, hey, I need some help. And I often say this. It's like when we're born, we don't come with an owner's manual. (laughs) We're kind of sifting through the dark. <laughs> and even I go to people for advice and I'm pretty pretty knowledgeable about a lot of things, but there's times where I either need emotional support or I need even informational support. And there's nothing wrong with Asking someone for a helping hand. In fact, that's probably more empowering to take the time and say, take a deep breath when things feel a little off. Listen to your gut. Listen to that intuition that says, hey, maybe I need to take a moment. Let's not just react to this. Let's see how I can do it differently. Let's make the world better and make our lives better.
2: (laughs) I just wanted to take one last moment to say that another thing that has been very powerful in my training with Gigi is that even though Gigi is my master and, and... guides a lot of things in my life and I defer to Gigi most of the time one of the things that has shown me his real strength as a dom is that there are times when Gigi thinks that I might be more knowledgeable about something than he is and when he comes to me for guidance it Gives me a lot of strong emotional feelings that are very very powerful, and also that in my discussions with Gigi, he always he always listens to me. He always takes what I have to say into consideration. He may ultimately de- decide that he disagrees with me or that he wants to go a different way and sometimes that will even be in our training i always respect that when he makes that final decision but the fact that he takes what i say into account and really considers it and doesn't dismiss it offhand and can even admit at times that there are things I might know more about than he does. I think that that breeds a very healthy dynamic between a dom and a sub, and I think that uh, that's something I've seen in some doms that uh, I I think that some doms could work on, is that uh, they think that... Their point of view is the correct point of view, bar none, no matter what. Uh, And sometimes doms have an ego trip thing that gets in their way. And I think that uh, one of my favorite things about having you as a dom, Gigi, is that your ego is not the reason that you are a dom and that you do take what I have to say into account. And I think that if you're sub-listening to this, uh, you should seek out a dom that is willing to hear you out. And if you are a dom listening to this that might have problems with always needing to be the authority for everything, you might want to recalibrate and and think about that uh, because no one can be uh, the ultimate master of everything. And, you know, it shouldn't even be your goal. So that's just what I wanted to say.
1: Ah, yes. And we are all human beings. We have a higher self, a higher consciousness. And we have guidance, but we aren't perfect. And so I think that by taking the time to really hear your sub makes you a better dom, makes you a more complete dom. And taking into their account what's going on with them And this is the process of making informed choices. Informing each other where you're each at and making informed choices makes a much more proactive and powerful dynamic in your relationship. So I thank you for listening and for staying with us as we go over on this podcast. But I think it was well worth it. Remember to enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Take time to pleasure yourself. And give yourself special treats. Those special pleasures that feel so good down there. (laughs) Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.